0: No matter where your business is in Canada, connectivity shouldn't be a concern. Whether your business is rural, remote, or urban, reliable, scalable internet is available to you and your business. Explore Business is expanding our network. With our extensive fiber, fixed wireless, and satellite networks, we're able to bring you the connectivity your business deserves, with the ability to grow right where you are. With investments in fiber and 5G technology, Explore Business is your new choice for business internet. Get connected with Explore Business today. Are you ready to clear a new path? Welcome to Clearing a New Path podcast, a space for the underrepresented voices in rural Canada. I'm your host, Shauna Ray. Each episode, we'll speak authentic truth because it's the truth that connects us. We'll examine issues, solutions, and hope outside of the city limits. Clearing a New Path podcast is an invitation to listen and learn along with me on the road to building a more united, feminist, anti racist rural Canada, one rooted in diversity and driven by reconciliation. Let's learn together, clearing a new path. been thinking deeply about the value of circles when it comes to community building and community engagement. It seems to me that the division we see in Canada's rural communities often comes down to always hearing from the same voices and not hearing from voices who have something new to say, new or different ideas. When we live under systems that certainly benefit only some of us, few have agency to make change. Circles can also be sources of support for new ways of thinking. For folks who don't feel valued in a traditional system of hierarchy. That's the beauty of a circle. Everyone is on the same footing. No one is above or below another. I have never met Amy Leah Tamburini in person. We share space in a virtual women's wisdom circle, but I have been a big fan of her work from afar for some time. This past summer, she did a bit of a roadshow, which we talk about in this episode. Amy Leah is an international speaker, podcast host, and master facilitator who has the gift of elevating the voices and issues that need to be heard so solutions to real problems can emerge. She does this by restoring the ecosystem of wisdom that communities and organizations use to make decisions in brave, generative conversations. She has honed her skills of bringing people together with over 20 years engaging with rural, remote, and indigenous communities around the world in resource extraction, housing, public health, Criminal justice and education. Her podcast, Circle of Change, was created for change makers who want to be inspired and also challenged to do the work required to be the change the world is looking for. She resides on the Wasanich and Lukwagen territories and loves soaking up the healing energy of nature. Her most recent creation, a five day retreat brings together leaders to restore their purpose and joy and build community and momentum toward unimaginable change. Amy Leah, I am so thrilled and excited to have you on the podcast today. Uh, welcome.
1: Thank you so much, Shana. I am um, my heart is lit up being here sitting here with you in this circle that you've created.
0: Ooh, I got goosebumps. Um so the first question I want to ask is what led you and and maybe in your professional life and your personal life to be doing the work that you're doing right now?
1: Yeah, thanks. And I, I love that you asked professional and personal because it just amplifies that we are whole humans. And I think that's certainly been my journey. It's been a whole human <laughs> approach to get to where, where I'm at right now. I think today I'll start with the personal. You know, when I grew up, I grew up in a small rural town on Georgian Bay. There's like 5,000 people. And my family of origin, there was a lot of tumultuousness in that. My my folks were going through a divorce and it was epically long and there was a lot of fighting, there was addiction. There was also a lot of messaging that as a girl, My voice was better to be silent, so it was better that I be seen and not heard. And I created all sorts of, you know, survival ways of being, as we do as kids, to accommodate that. And what it ended up resulting in was me keeping quiet a lot in places where I could have or maybe should have been using my voice. And it led to a lot of interesting things that i was totally unaware of for most of my life but one day you know there there was al- there's always that wake up call moment where i realized that wow with me not using my voice i was creating a lot of pain in my relationships um especially my intimate partners i didn't really have close friends i felt really lonely and isolated i wasn't able to lead in the way that i really wanted to and over many many years then i realized being quiet also fed into systemic racism and white supremacy which were all things that were not okay with me you know all of that really was ultimate disconnection on so many levels and so one particular year it was a very painful year my father died i was breaking up with a, another partner and that pain is what pulled me into actually doing my work of self discovery of like learning about these emotions in me and why I was showing up the way I do and and also the freedom that came with taking responsibility for how it is I be in the world that is like one piece of the puzzle alongside all of that I was also involved in all this community engagement work so I worked as a consultant for many many years starting off in health so I have degrees in kinesiology and epidemiology And what that did was lead me into this career where I found myself in rural, remote, and indigenous communities all around the world. So up north in the Arctic and across Turtle Island and and overseas. And I was having these conversations in community about health and well-being through an indigenous lens, which I found fascinating at the time. It was certainly nothing that I had learned about in my academic career, (laughs) But what I loved through all of that was that I got to hear people's stories. I really realized I love hearing people's stories. I love pulling out people's stories. And I also learned that the way in which we brought people together mattered. And it either led to more connection and understanding or it led to more disconnection and vitriol or division. And so when I eventually started my own company, Hum, I really wanted to be a community engagement specialist, but do it in a way that focused on creating spaces where people could come together to really hear one another, to see themselves in each other, and deepen their connection, as well as find a space for them to have a voice to truly be seen and heard, which of course stemmed from my own childhood trauma. And so that's really what HUM is all about today is really trying to create those spaces for that level of connection in in community engagement, where ultimately we also make better decisions at the end of the day. (laughs) The concept of circles is Mm
0: -hmm. something that you have found perhaps a lot earlier than some of us, including me, that Mm -hmm. being in circle is a way to healing it is a way to solve common problems it it is an amazing community engagement tool can you talk about that how you came to that realization and and how you
1: use it in your work i feel like i was first introduced to it in all that work that i did in those rural communities we always found ourselves sitting in circle and I didn't really connect to it then. I didn't really realize what was happening at that moment. But what I knew is that it felt good. It felt different. And something different happened in that environment versus like an open house where, or a, a town hall meeting where people just got the opportunity to stand up, spew their perspective or their position, and then sit down. Something happened there. And I think that just like ingrained into my body in some way. And it wasn't until I actually had a a cancer journey in 2019. And uh, when I came out of that journey, there was a lot of my own personal healing uh, on the table and not just physically, but mentally, spiritually, emotionally, emotionally. And the circle training uh, came up and I'd already done circle training before many years ago, but this felt different to me. So I arrived in this space and it was like five-day training. And one of those moments where I walked in the door and I thought, oh, I have arrived. Like I have found my community. I have found this beautiful way of being, this tool. And I don't wanna do anything else but this. And so that training really deepened my awareness of what was going on in Circle, not only the mechanics of how to run one well, but sort of more of the principles around it and why it works so well to create connection. When I think about why Circle is so important today, I think it ultimately it solves a number of issues that have created a lot of the pickles that we're in right now. One is that disconnection and separateness that we have. The second is um, that we have put responsibility for change in certain people's hands. And then we've also said that some people have knowledge and some people don't, or these are the people we should listen to and these are the people we shouldn't. That's how kind of what we've been up to in our systems, structures, the way this world runs. And so Circle kind of flips all of that on its head by, first of all, you know, as people are sharing their stories, it's impossible not to see the interconnections. So two people that have different worldviews all of a sudden can find themselves in each other as people share their stories, which I just find brilliant. And that's certainly that's simply the truth of what is that we are all interconnected secondly, when I run circles, I say every single one of you is a leader. So there's a leader in every chair. And what that does is it shares out the responsibility of what we create together. It's not all on the facilitator to ensure that this space is meaningful. Every single person takes up that seat. And then it also amplifies everybody's voice because we pass this talking piece. And when you're holding that, you know, you're the knowledge keeper and everyone's listening to you, but then you pass that talking piece and the person next to you is the knowledge keeper. And what that does is it, it simply neutralizes power dynamics there's so many spaces where people don't feel seen and heard, where there's not those opportunities for people to just share a full a full thought without being interrupted, without being given advice. All of these things and something magical happens in that moment where they learn more about themselves and other people learn more about themselves too in hearing their story. So, I think that's why I'm passionate about circle. I'd also love to hear your perspective too because you you are in circles yourself. I think you and
0: I have talked about this together personally about there is a degree of shame that people bring that perhaps they are not at a level of what capitalism, colonialism tells us we should be. And so you already show up in a community thinking you're not good enough. Mm. And so that alone is disconnection and and people suffer in that in silence no mm-hmm. one speaks that truth and there is a degree i think of humility that everyone has to bring to a circle because of what we've been programmed to think that community mm-hmm. is like you said you know everyone's on equal footing Everyone is a leader. Everyone has an opportunity to speak. Everyone has something to contribute. We've never been told that, some of us before, in a community. So Mm. there's always the loudest voices, even in a corporate environment, in any kind of environment that is driven by white supremacy, capitalism, and colonialism is the white people and the loudest people and maybe the, the people who have the most education or whomever is recognized by that system as the top level, mm. then the rest of us who aren't at that level feel a degree of shame and lesser than. Yeah. And when you show up in that frame of mind, carrying that, then you're not showing up as your authentic self, right? And yeah. that's my thought, you know, as a newer person to circles. And yes, I so much appreciate we have a circle together and it's exciting to have more than one circle. You have taken the circle process to rural and remote communities on a road trip this summer. You (laughs) took it on the road and, and I'm really excited and curious to hear how that went. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: I am often asking the creator of the universe, like, how am I meant to be of service in this moment? And that is what I sat down to do uh, early 2022. And I didn't really get an answer then, but, you know, the universe works in magical ways. So I all, all of a sudden, I started to hear this word kindness everywhere. Like, it just kept filtering in and which included a book by the guy who wrote the kindness diaries and i think there's a netflix show about it where he travels around the world relying solely on kindness to survive so people gave him food and water and gas for his little motorcycle all of the things and i had this deep calling to be out in rural community to just be like hands in the dirt doing, doing the work. And I thought, oh, well, I can create my own kindness tour. (laughs) And so I did. And I came up with a concept. I put it out there to folks that I knew. And then I ended up getting connected with these community-based organizations and they, they varied so much. One was a church setting. One was a group A community group focused on reconciliation. Um, There was another like a community health network. I just had a local woman who was super passionate about it and she wanted to bring it to her community. So that differed and kind of gave each circle a different flavor, which I really loved. And we gathered and and the circles range from about 16 people to about 60 people. And we sat together and had conversations about kindness. Where we started was, how do you want to show up in the world? How What do you want to contribute in your lifetime here on Earth? Which I don't think is a question that most of us talk about. You know, we just kind of are getting by survival mode. Plugging into, oh, wait, I can contribute to something that I want to contribute to. Uh, and so we had everyone do that. And everyone shared, we sat in small circles to do this work. Um, So they got to connect with community members in a new way and share that. But then we asked the question like, well, what gets in the way of that? Because all of us, especially us change makers who have such big hearts and we want to do such good, we still find ourselves in positions where mm, we can't find compassion or patience or anything of the sort. And so... We talked about that, but we talked about it through that, like a trauma-informed lens of what's really going on in those moments. And what's really going on is that we're, we're protecting ourselves in some way, but our body's just kind of doing it. And so if, how can we bring awareness to that and then tap back into that commitment that how we actually want to be in the world? And so they then got to share... Uh, we got to share together sort of some calming mechanisms for that nervous system response so that we could get back into our loving, most authentic selves. So the whole journey was, for, for me, it was amazing. We, we collaborated with uh, many Indigenous elders along the way to start us off in a good way and really honor the lands that we were on and really situate these circles in the context of what's going on in our world right now especially around reconciliation it was vulnerable for folks it was profoundly connecting but i think people left with this yearning like a deeper understanding that change does start from within and a will a willingness and a wanting to continue that work whatever that looks like so it was it was cool i was so
0: envious and um excited to hear about it
1: was there anything that
0: that surprised you about your experience and
1: also what surprised you about yourself mm. we had like a full range of emotions of folks showing up at the kindness circle so I don't know if that was a surprise per se, but it certainly had me tapping into, you know, some deeper facilitation skills that I didn't necessarily think I would be implementing in those spaces. Um, But it really just illustrated that resistance, right, to like the vulnerability, I think. Sitting in circle, as you know, is vulnerable. There's no barrier between us, like no table, like we usually sit around from a physical stance. Um, and so I think that was interesting to me, but what I really loved and what I think surprised me maybe the most is afterwards when people were like, how can we continue this work? They didn't want it to stop. I think people are really tired of sort of kind of one-off band-aid solutions to things and people's willingness to go deeper was surprising and, and beautiful. I thought it was a great sign of where we're at in humanity right now. Was there anything <laughs> that surprised you about yourself in the, you know, in the process? I don't think I knew how much I would get from it, from that lens. And I think also the healing work for me really happened with being able to connect with the elders along the way.
0: Do you think that circles can work
1: in any forum? And
0: and I mean, in any industry, in any, I'm thinking, a municipal government situation or, you know, committees or nonprofit organizations where they have, you know, a board and a hierarchy. Do you think that circles can be implemented anywhere?
1: Yes, I do. And what will be required for that is an ability to let people be where they're at. So I think uh, we, you know, we've talked a lot about systemic racism and colonialism and, and how we be in the world. And often those conversations are extraordinarily intimidating to step into because there's not uh, necessarily an acceptance of people being where they're at in the dialogue what I have learned, and at the beginning, this was one of my biggest challenges, hosting Circle Conversation, is that I really wanted people to get it. I wanted people to be at a certain place of evolution, and and I wanted to see them come through this process and you know be this other thing at the end. I was so attached to all of those outcomes. So I think walking into those circumstances, which are very colonial, all of the organizations that you mentioned where there's been a structure in place for hundreds of years, there has to be a recognition that not everybody is gonna get it. Not everybody is gonna have some miraculous transformation. And there has to be an allowance for that to be okay. Because in that acceptance, then you're opening a door for change to happen. But if we go in and have that expectation people's trauma response, their protective mechanisms will come out in full force and really prevent them from engaging in a way that's meaningful for them and the process. So I think it, it requires patience. It requires deep compassion. It also requires holding people to account. So I'm not saying that we allow for harmful behaviors to continue and there's a way that we can hold those behaviors that don't alienate people. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you start with
0: agreements, right? And I think mm-hmm. that that is an important part of a circle is having everyone who's participating in the circle participate in the agreement process. Mm. And I think that that's something critical to working together. And also eliminating that fear. If I'm afraid of this, I'm going to name that in our agreements. I want to make sure that I feel safe because of X. And, and so can you talk a little bit about agreements and, and well, why they're necessary?
1: Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. I think that my understanding of agreements has evolved over time as well. And, Although I call them agreements, right now, the way in which I think about them are intentions. Because even the word agreements, it's close enough to rules that can be a bit constrictive. Whereas intentions, it's more of an energetic space that we're tapping into there, which I think actually has more power than sort of a cerebral exercise of what what it is that we, what rules do we need to follow? So I think that's the first thing to, to think about agreements as setting our collective intention together. And they are really powerful in, again, just establishing right off the bat that everybody has a voice here and everyone can ask for what it is they need, which is a practice that many humans struggle with. I, I can certainly relate to that, like asking for what I need Woof! I'm still on that journey. <laughs> the agreements that I, I tend to put in place or that I find really powerful, and again, I love the the concept of co-creating them as well, but like even one around keeping our stories sacred. So that could also be called confidentiality, which is one of those principles that, okay, it's like whatever is shared here doesn't go beyond this circle. And I think that's important for circle because When we quiet ourselves and create a space to speak freely from our hearts, stuff comes out of us that is not going to come out of us at the water cooler. And even if something is shared in circle, you might not want to continue the conversation when you go back out into the office setting. And so it's like whatever is said here, kind it stays here. And there's a permission piece if you want to carry it forward. Agreements like that are really important because when we think about these structures, and this kind of loops back to where we started at the beginning of showing up as your whole self. We're not used to, especially in professional environments, of bringing our whole selves there and having others in that space know all our whole selves, which includes emotions, which often come up when we sit in circle, like there are tears, sometimes there's anger. So it really is a deconditioning process and the agreements are there to support us in that journey in the most loving, compassionate way possible. I love that you mentioned that, that we are kind of afraid to bring our whole selves
0: to work because it's counter to the systems that we live under, right? And Mm -hmm. I heard an Indigenous woman say this in an interview recently. I watched CBC's Passionate Eye Pretendians they were talking about, and she talked about emotions and, and that you know, indigenous people are value emotions, and she said that emotions are creators' antibiotics. And I was like, "Oh wow!" Like that's <laughs> that blew my mind. <laughs> I, I was like, "Oh yeah!" And so, if you could actually bring your whole self and your emotions to every situation. And it would be honored in the way that Indigenous people do and and other cultures do that we'd be a lot better off. Mm -hmm. You know, we'd be a lot healthier, less sick inside. We would get goosebumps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when I heard that, I just was like, that makes so much sense to me.
1: I love that. And I, I think about that a lot in particular regarding men in our world, in our society, and thinking about like, Prison systems. I think there's a lot more men in prison systems than women. I think that um, men are generally creating are more like heinous crimes, like a lot of assaults and, and all of those things. And men, more so than women, although women have certainly experienced this too, have constantly, for hundreds of thousands of years, received the message that expressing your emotions is not okay. And so what does that do to the body in terms of how we are able to show up? Those emotions have to come out of us in some way. Like emotions are energy. They're meant to be flowing. And when we suppress them and constrict them, well, they're going to come out in some way. And often it is in unhealthy ways. And so it's it's been a, a lens through which I've been able to Look at men in our society through a much more compassionate lens. Again, it's not an okaying of of behaviors, but it's like an okay. I see what we're working with here, and now how do we move forward?
0: Yeah, I think people think that because many of us are trying to pull apart these systems and examine them, and that white women, white men are at the top of that, that we we don't have compassion for white men, right? Mm. Like they're the enemy. Right. Which I mean. There's a lot to be said about that. However, having the compassion to realize the conditioning that has come, like you said, the emotions have nowhere or no validation except coming out as anger, Mm -hmm. then we have the world we've created. It shows up in every situation that way. My husband's been very vulnerable about learning that everything comes out as anger as a boy that's what he witnessed and trying to to reprogram that as as a man in your 40s and having that vulnerability you mm. know kudos to men that are doing that because it's a tough we women have had that benefit to be able to express emotions with each other but men haven't had that mm. you no know where to put that how can people start towards a circle model in their rural communities, say somebody sitting on, sits on a committee you know, mm. in, in their municipality or they volunteer at the library or they're a municipal leader. What are some of the things that they could perhaps implement slowly mm. or you know, one step?
1: For me, everything starts with energy. And for me, that means setting an intention. So for those folks out there that are wanting to step into that and maybe start to shift the way people be together is getting clear on, okay, well, what's my intention for doing this? Because that, that will just create uh, a certain energy in terms of how they show up and begin this conversation. So if it's to go in and change people and to like fight the system or the structure, that's going to have a certain tone to it. But if it's to say, oh, I want to really help create a community that, that feels safe, that feels nurturing, that feels connecting, that might have a different energy and maybe less resistance on the other end. So I would say start there. And then, you know, you don't have to go through like big formal processes or anything. You could be intentional. I'm I'm, I'm a fan of honest communication to start, simply speak. You know, I, I'm curious. I'd like to try out a new format for our meeting today or actually let people know before they arrive. um, So that that's kind of a trauma safe thing to do. I've been known for this just to show up and be like, No, 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 nobody needs to know, we're just going to do this for some people, it's not safe to do things like that. So say something in advance, I like to craft an invitation and really think about inviting people into a space. And what is the intention of this space or why we're gathering this way. And then it could be as simple as starting your meeting with a round where everybody gets the opportunity to share, how am I doing today? That question alone can be extraordinarily powerful. Done in that circle way where it's not like, how are you doing? Fine. Oh, good. How are you? Fine. You know, it's it's different than that where it's allowing people to actually understand how it is they are truly doing in that space. So that would be a great opener. And then, or, or maybe you just have a question that you are thinking about that you want to resolve in this meeting that you just intentionally go around and give everybody an opportunity to speak and name that that is what you're going to do. I think that would be a beautiful start and it will have an, an amazing impact. A, a different outcome will uh, resolve at the very end.
0: You are the host of an amazing podcast called Circle of Change. Mm-hmm. How did you come to that project and what can people expect when they listen?
1: I love your podcast, first of all. <laughs> it's amazing. The issues that you're talking about are oh, so juicy, so relevant, so needed. So thank you. My podcast is called Circle of Change. And it was one of these downloads again, where a couple years ago, I was struggling to understand how I was meant to be of service. And I sat down and I asked the universe and yeah, podcast came in with shining lights. And I said, okay, (laughs) I'll do that. And all the pieces came together. So the podcast is meant for change makers, which I believe don't have formal titles. They're not the CEOs per se. They're not the prime ministers or the premiers per se. They are the everyday folks out there that want something better for themselves, for their families, for their community. And they'd like to gather together in a space to really feel seen and heard and also deepen their understanding of how it is that we be the change from within. Because I, I truly believe that that's where the power lies. Our world is kind of set up to point fingers and want everything out there to change. And it's the elected leaders that are the problem. And I like to turn that on its head and say, well, the the elected leaders only represent us, our collective consciousness. And so if we're not doing the work to change within, to take responsibility, then that all that stuff out there will will never change. And so when they come and sit in my circle, sometimes it's solo episodes with me where I'm just sharing a concept or a different way to think about something. And then sometimes I have Changemaker guests on there as well that are sharing about the beautiful work that they're doing in the world, which uh, is very inspiring. Uh, and there's also lots of nuggets in there about uh, how to support people to keep stepping into those change-making roles.
0: Anything else you'd like to add? Anything that we didn't talk about that you'd like to express?
1: I think it's easy to be overwhelmed and to feel like we're not making progress. And I've heard many dialogues around, you know, oh gosh, look where we were in the 60s and I thought we'd be so much further than now and are we just going to keep repeating this pattern? And I think of everything in circles. And sometimes it's really hard to see the progress that we're making, but trusting that change is actually happening. And these hard moments that we're going through are only there because we're ready to deepen the work and to go to the next level. And so it might look like we're staying still, but um, I like to encourage people to think about it more as a spiral and that we are making progress and the best thing that we can do is surround ourselves and find find our circles, find our support along the way uh, in whatever form that looks like so that we don't lose hope and so that we keep ourselves nourished along the way because that's so important. Our life ultimately is about love and joy. And I know for me as a change maker and maybe you as well, it can get really serious really quickly and kind of all the time. And that's not really what was intended for life. We were meant to experience love and joy. And so finding whatever that is for you on your journey, I strongly encourage that.
0: Oh, I love that. I think I decided to make a change when I felt like I was existing, going through the motions of my life and not enjoying it, not having Mm. fun, not laughing, not being passionate, not being joyous. That's when I knew Thank you so much. As always, I love having conversations with you and it's great to have one on the podcast. So I look forward to doing that again soon and seeing all the amazing things that you're doing. So thank you so much for
1: today. Thank you, Shana. Love the work you're doing and who you be in this world. Thank you.
0: Want to keep the conversation going? Subscribe to the Clearing a New Path newsletter drop me an email follow the podcast on social media and or you can leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform clearing a new path podcast artwork is supported by the graphic design of katie wilhelm and the music branding is by the hankering studio the podcast is produced by radar media in thames center ontario it is the traditional territory of the anishinaabe hodinashoni and Mississauga or neutral peoples who once used this land as their traditional beaver hunting grounds. The First Nations communities closest to the studio are Chippewa of the Thames First Nation, Oneida Nation of the Thames, Muncie, Delaware First Nation, and the Chippewas of Kettle and Stony Point. I will speak to many more people across Turtle Island this season, and as a settler here, I'm committed to deepening understanding of colonialism, the TRC's calls to action, and to reframing responsibilities to land and community. I am grateful to Mother Earth and Creator for the opportunity for love and connection and to the spirits of the elders and the medicine people who still walk the earth. Until next time...